It's a song where in one of the lines he says, I'm trying to find a word to describe this girl without being disrespectful. And then he calls her a sexy bitch. I'm like, literally, you could think of nothing else. Like, <laughs> even says in the line before, I'm trying to find a word to describe you without being respectful. You know, strong, powerful, beautiful woman or something. And now he just went, oh, the least disrespectful thing I can think of is sexy bitch. That's it. <laughs> I hate that song. It's been stuck in my head all fucking week. Why did you listen to it in the first place? Don't tell me I that came, the radio. Someone someone drove past listening to it outside and it's just been no. earwormed its way in. But there's a anyway. there's a gag in, in the Ali G movie, like with with the same basic punchline. What was it? Don't disrespect your bitches or something like that. I love that so much. <laughs> Oh, no clue. I really need to watch, re-watch the Ali G movie. Because Ali G in the house. Ali G, yes, because it was like really funny at the time, but I was too young, I think, when it first came around. Like, I, I, when did that come out? When did, uh, when did um, Ali G in the house come out? 2002. There yeah, so I, was only thir- I was only 13 then. And so, so oh, wow. This is when we should have started our video version of the podcast. That is a wonderful DVD to hold up to the camera. Ali G in the house. It is the number one comedy gangstar from the UK. Because I remember when I was about 13, I didn't get every joke in it. Like, I just didn't get it all. But I remember vividly there was this scene where they're having a race between the traffic lights. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to stick to the speed limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the like the other guys from the east side, I think. They they East uh, side. With that. Yeah. And they and they uh, run the red light. And, and <laughs> Ellie and his buddy's like, oh man, these guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and they're only doing like 30 mile an hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see the like the, the speed limit. <laughs> Yeah, it's like around 30. And flipping off the, the cops behind their, like the, the, the car, the car door. What a stupid movie. Yeah, I love it, it's wonderful. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to this week's edition of BPM Pod, where we won't talk any more about Ali G in the house. But if you tuned in for that first little two minute preamble, uh, well done you. But uh, no more Ali G in the house this time. Happy New Year. Welcome to, what are we now? Month 25 of 2020. <laughs> About month 20 of flattening the curve. <laughs> the two-week uh, lockdown. <laughs> yeah, the two-week lockdown. But welcome to the new year. Happy new year. And I uh, hope everyone is well. Of course, I'm your host, Ashley. And joining me on the other side is the guy who really keeps all of this together. Chris. <laughs> You do. You do, really. You know far more about this than I do. So, uh, Chris, welcome. Hello. Hello and Happy New Year from, from me as well, to everyone. To how are you? How are you doing so far in this new year? You've, been, you're, you've, you've uh, had a good New Year's party and then you started dieting or something, right? Yes. Need to throw off some, some fatty tissue. And it goes well. <laughs> Fatty tissue should be some sort of band name, by the way. Like, that really should. <laughs> like a punk tissue. Punk, yeah. Uh, yeah, garage punk, punk shit band. <laughs> totally. But you're doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking all my calories, all my, all my weights and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm doing major progress. 
oh, I need to input mine for the day. Got this little calorie calorie tracker thing, and I've totally broken the limit of mine today. Yeah, uh, which which, which one are you lo- uh, using? Which app? Okay, I'm going to put on my most serious radio voice for this point. Oh, nice! Because uh, it's not um, it's not a an official sponsorship. But if they ever, for some reason, hear this and want to, considering <laughs> they are also a Swedish company, ooh, I use Lifesum because. You are the sum of life. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to make something up. But um, life <laughs> sum, sum, calorie tracker. The free version is pretty good, but uh, I know people who have the premium version and it works really well. So, um, right. yeah, pretty cool. And it doesn't encourage you to lose weight or do anything stupid. It just literally tracks your calories and how much water you have. So there's no sort of pressure to look anything. It's just interesting. Oh, right. So I really like it. Cool. What about you? I'm using, uh, I think it's pronounced Yazio, Yazio. Uh, it's a bit more flashy and everything. And I even use the the pro version because I've been using it for the last two years uh, when I started to put on muscle. Mm. Uh, and so you can track like really like all the macronutrients and micronutrients and everything. But yeah, we are going to be fucking out there. But the people are going to be fainting in the streets at the same <laughs> It's going to be wonderful. But um, if you have just tuned into this podcast, I promise you, we talk about music normally, <laughs> but not dieting. But uh, but we'll we'll get to the music part in a minute. Speaking of music, you said you've been rehearsing, actually, right? So you've got a you've got a can't remember what it's called. It's a word that rhymes with big. Yeah, uh, we're supposed to have a gig a show uh, with an actual audience. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it ha- we have actually I re- because I almost forgot about it uh, because we were asked to play the show I think in October, and we were like, "Oh wow, yeah, of course we're playing a show in February during like the worst part of the COVID uh, thingy every year in winter." But as like as of now, it seems like it's it's still going strong. Um, we're playing a small show in Berlin, uh, Wild at Heart. Ah, oh, Wild at Heart, yeah. Yeah, I've never been there. I've been there a couple of times to watch different people. Um, pretty strange place. But, right. Um, but, uh, but I've had a couple of, I've had nice times there for sure. But um, it was, it's pretty odd, but um, enjoyed it at least. Decent venue. Cool. Uh, I've drove, I drove past it uh, last Friday and there were no parking spaces anywhere near it. So No, I, there are none dreading the time when we need to unload the the car but yeah yeah like that's the but way still it's, <laughs> it's a gig yeah it, it's a gig it's a gig let's see a if paid, it actually happens paid gig dude i don't even know I, I, well either I, way to be honest i don't even care <laughs> like no, at this exactly. point i don't give a crap I mean, if the audience is even just two people, it's still going to have such a different energy yeah. to just not having anything at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what's coming up on what's coming up on the show today? We're going to have a kind of simple, easygoing chat episode. Not too much coming up. We're going to talk about what we've been listening to. I'm going to do a quick review of some new releases, and then we're going to talk about what stuff you actually need 
if you're a buddy musician. We're in a new year. I'm pretty sure people over Christmas have got some gear, whether they're amateurs, pros or whatever, or things that they want to sort of test and try and play. So I sort of thought, why don't we kick off the new year with a bit of an advice and help episode to buddy musicians, talking about what gear does a musician actually need when they're starting out? Are there any good gear bargains we found that you might not necessarily need, but stuff that's been really good to us along the way? And if we're being honest, what are the bare essential pieces of gear that we need to do what we do? (laughs) Which was actually really difficult because then I realized, oh yeah, I don't even need half of this shit, like (laughs) at all. But, (laughs) you know, it happens. But anyway, let's kick it off by what have we been listening to? Chris, you sent me a few things this week and uh, including Muse, I think at some point, but what is it you've been listening to? Okay, um, you know, I always have a hard time listening to new stuff, so I'm proud to uh, tell you that I've been listening to three new things, including wow. Muse. <laughs> nice. Yeah, okay, I st- I'll start with Muse, because the new single is out, and I don't even remember the name of it. Oh, uh, I had it uh, open earlier, even because I've listened to it quite a few times since. Uh, Won't Stand Down. It's the single. Yeah, yeah. And it's like super cool. Um, Muse are getting back to their, like the heavy roots. They've never been like the super, super, super heavy stuff, but they always had like like little snippets in there, like here and there. And now now they're like really dug into them in the, in, in the heavy roots, um, but still very electronic and proggy the whole track. It's a cool mixture. I was really, mm. um, what's the word, intrigued by it? So mm, yeah, mm. like cool thing because uh, like the last album, which was the Simulation Theory, I think, had this whole '80s thing going on, which I love. But I thought Muse were like kind of late to the party. Mm. Um, like everybody had already done the whole synthesizer '80s Juno 106 thing, and then Muse were like, "Okay, we're doing it too," but <laughs> a bit late, three years late. Still a good album. Muse is always like dude like they're so fucking incredible musicians they can't really screw up like totally screw up a um, few missteps here and there i think but yeah um the new single like really cool i like the like the heavy they, they do have their like their typical riff style right like pentatonic riffage thing with a lot of blue notes in there but yeah fat sound love it Um, should I do the next one or should you take over? For, uh, no. No, go on. You do the next one. Okay, cool. Uh, I finally managed to listen to the new Limp Biscuit album. Wait, uh, what? Limp Biscuit had a new album and I did not know this. Yeah, and it's called Still Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Limp okay. Biscuit Still Sucks. Um, now, we like 
Limbisky here. We we talked about him before, and it was kind of as a joke. And then it actually, we realised actually he's pretty good, or like they are pretty good, I should say. Yeah. Okay. Yes, especially Mr. Borland. Okay. So go, go, okay. Talk us through it then. I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. Well, there's actually not that much to talk about because it's like a whole. Well, they took their sweet time for this release. I think when was the last Limbiscuit album release? Ten years ago? Fifteen? Fifteen years ago? I don't know. Oh wait, the last one was Gold Gold Cobra. Oh shit, that was that was in 2011. That's when I lived in Dresden. <laughs> cool. Okay, so <laughs> ten years ago, um, when when still sucks dropped. Um, there are not like that many actual real long songs on there. There's a whole lot of weird stuff in the middle, in between, like not even a concept album thing, but just weird stuff where you get the impression they didn't really want to do this album hmm. and i think the first single that dropped was steady issues which is pretty cool and pretty heavy uh dad vibes dad vibes that one dad vibes not daddy issues <laughs> those are two different things <laughs> <laughs> but you know it wouldn't like a song by limbisco called daddy issues wouldn't be it wouldn't be out of place yeah <laughs> at all uh, so yeah, I don't even like. I have really nothing more to say about it. Is like a cool listen for like if you're not looking for some really um, heavy entertainment. <laughs> And what else have you been listening to then? And the last one is the new Volbeat album, Servant of the Mind. Oh. Yeah. Um, like Volbeat in metal in the metal scene, like it's pretty common to shit on Volbeat, uh, I think, because like they're <laughs> they have their sound and they like really broke into the mainstream a couple of years ago. But me personally, I really like them. I mean of course they like very cliche by now like the uh, the rate the way they write the way he sings the whole elvis thing he started with um like the i think the band itself really became oversaturated um but i love it when they do like their whole like they really know how to write a chorus uh especially in the first song temple of i don't know ecure ecure Temple of Iker. Like the chorus is such a oh man, this is a Volbeat chorus. I wish I would have written that. Mm. Like the way he mm. sings, the way they arrange it, they use the same chord progressions in every other song. Like mm. in that mm. like they they're like ACDC, uh, if you think about it that way, because mm. they mm. also have been using the same riffs for multiple songs. But I don't you know, whenever I write myself, I try to shy away from using the same chord progressions over and over again, but I don't mind listening to other artists to do that. Mm, mm. 
It's funny. It's funny you say that because, like, I know when I write music, for example, that it goes into a, the same chord progressions over and over. And I used to get really hung up about it. Now I actually don't care so much. I used to get really annoyed. Yeah, because nobody be else it. cares, right? I like that's the- kind of what I realized. Like everyone's songs sound the same. Like they're just slightly different keys or whatever, but they're all the same progressions and beats and shit. And so I kind of, in the end, just started to think, well, why am I making this overly complicated? Like, yeah. <laughs> does it really matter? But I mean, no one's listening to it anyway. But but I know what you mean about Volby. I I again haven't listened to a massive amount of them. I think the last song I heard of them relatively recently, I think, was called Shotgun Blue. Yeah, I think that's from the same album. And it kind of Sh- just sounded. Blues, yeah. It kind of just sounded like a, a uh, an average to bad Metallica cover band. I kind of thought, and I was a little <laughs> bit like, meh. It's okay, but I know what you mean. It's there's no real variation. Uh, the the chords are all relatively similar. The melody line, you know where it's going to go. The drums are relatively similar. I think OCDC is a very good comparison, actually. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's bad. It's just not no not yeah. the most experimental thing ever. But yeah, dude. I mean, like they really found their sound, right? Like yeah. really, really found their fucking sound. Yeah, and. Everybody's list. I I think the same. Like the, in that um, regard, they remind me a lot of Nightwish because I love Nightwish and I've been to I don't know how many concerts and the audience is so mixed. Mm, On a, mm. like Volbeat and Nightwish concerts, like everybody's there: children mm, and, and mm. grandpas and grandmas and and old people and metalheads and young people and I don't know pop people, whatever you call them. Uh, and it's cool, like really brings people together. What have we been listening to? Um, on my end, Sharon Van Etten, uh, an artist I absolutely love. She, not really stuff, I've been listening to a lot of her at the minute, although nothing new has come out for a while. But a little while ago, she did a duet with someone called Angel Olsen, which is this um, shoegazy singer-songwriter, soft rock kind of music, who I really love. And Julian Baker. Now, I don't know if you know Julian Baker. She's it's very sort of dark, ambient singer-songwriter and um, very Phoebe Bridges sounding. I actually forgot at the time when we were talking about Lisa Kua that she sounds very similar to this person. Mm. Cool. Very kind of dreamy, a bit dark, a bit depressing, but very sort of meaningful, melancholic stuff. Um, And she's going on tour with Sharon Vanetton and Angel Lawson. They're doing a trio tour, but only of North America. Mm. It's called the Wild Hearts Tour. I wish they toured internationally because I would absolutely go. So they're going to all co-headline. They'll all do equal sets, equal time. Be a pretty fucking good gig. So I wish I could go. But that's put me on a path of listening to a lot of Sharon Van Etten, who is wonderful, and Julian Baker, who really is fantastic. She's 26 years old and uh, makes me wish I'd written songs like that at 26. It's incredible, actually. Um, Wish I had that much insight and patience. 
And someone else I've been listening to. And this was uh, forwarded to me. I can't remember who by someone said, oh, you've got to check out this song because I'm a big fan of Queens of the Stone Age. Talked about them before. And um, someone forwarded me this song. And it's from a band called Laser Beam. And I've never heard of them. And they seem very, not not very well followed online or anything like that. Not a massive uh, following at all. But what I really like about them is the story behind them instead. So the song that was forward is called Turn and Burn. Very sort of predictable, but nice Queens of the Stone Age driving rock sound. Three minutes of pretty fast. Yeah. Put it on while you're driving music. It's kind of nice. Cool. But what I really like about them is the story behind them. Uh, Laser Beam is a father and son duo, which I thought was really cool. Um, and they could perform sort of like hard rock together. Yeah, I thought cool. that was great. So I loved it. So Laser Beam, Turn and Burn, totally enjoyed it. And it really is Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf kind of era. Otherwise, the thing I've been listening to in depth is from friend of the podcast and a friend of mine, Tara C. Taylor. She released a an album that is called Under the Influence, and it's a tribute to Depeche Mode. Um, so do we call albums with six songs an album, by the way? Or is it an EP? What's six? Six is kind of a weird number. Well... Dream Theater albums have six songs on there, but they're still two hours long. But six, yeah, but that's true. But I mean, six songs of four minutes. Is this class as an EP? I don't, I don't know. know. Tara, pick four next time. Then I'll be like, oh, EP. But, <laughs> <laughs> nah, but still, six songs. She did it. So full disclosure, I am not the biggest Depeche mode fan before i get into this and nor do i have a lot of knowledge about them i know a few of the tracks and can appreciate them but it's not something i listen to regularly um but i do know bits and pieces here and there and quickly about tara c taylor canadian singer songwriter guitarist and she's hilarious and fun but also quite brooding and a bit moody and a little bit kick-ass as well. So um, she balances all of these sort of different inputs, which I really, really love. Um, she's got this cool blend of being a bit punk, a little bit upfront, a little bit rogue, a little bit in your face, but still being quite classy and detailed, which is, which is cool. Um, her previous releases have been very acoustic-led until recently when she took a sharp turn 
into electronic music and uh, electronic remixes of her previous releases, and they're actually better than the originals of hers, I think. So, uh, and I think it suits her whole feeling and aesthetic a bit better. So uh, I actually really like them a lot. But then anyway, on to this release. Um, Under the Influence, a tribute to 40 years of Depeche Mode. Now, I had to seek out every song on here in from Depeche Mode and actually listen to them to understand what it is I'm trying to compare them to. And I started going through and making notes on every single one, but I realized how pointless it is because <laughs> I don't know enough about the source material, really. So I tried to just take it blind and then took the Depeche Mode ones afterwards. And I kind of think that what Tara's created here is um, a moodier version. It still sounds very 80s pop rock, very 80s synth electronic, um, but it's moodier. So we're in Depeche Mode, you have these very dry uh, drum machine program drums, for example, and uh, you know a Yamaha sort of 8-bit sound on a keyboard or some shit like that. You know, this yeah. kind of beep, 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 dotty kind of sound. Uh, she's replaced with guitars instead. So it gives it a slightly more rocky, moodier vibe, um, but it still keeps a lot of these sort of tip tap, tip tap, tip tap drum fills underneath, which is um, cool. which is cool. Um, overall, it's pretty solid, I would say. Tara's vocals are strong, and I like the approach that she's taken to the tracks. Um, the only real original that I knew on the song I knew on here really was "Enjoy the Silence," probably Depeche Mode's biggest song. So that was the only one I really could compare to. But um, she's she's got a lot of good elements on here that don't exist in the originals with the piano, the guitar, and so on. Still, I don't want to shit on it too much, but I wouldn't say it's all perfect. And and wow, I can hear my daughter. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that was loud. Well done, Ella. Don't know how you manage that. Um, it's not all perfect, and irritatingly. The things I like about this album are also the most frustrating. And by that, I mean the vocals and the drums. Um, the mix is a bit muddy. So what should have been my favorite bits on some songs really actually grew to annoy me on others. Um, it could be my headphones I'm listening to them on. I don't always listen to them on decent ones. Sometimes it's just, you know, some shit Bluetooth earbuds or whatever. Or sometimes it's even the laptop speakers. But somehow the drums seem lost in the mix. Um, not really sure how. And some of the more bassy, lower elements of synth and guitar aren't really cutting through enough. And I don't really know what the fix would be. In fact, you probably would if you listen to it, but sometimes it sounds a little bit more, um, a little more lost, distant than it should. I don't hmm. really know why it's, it's not really cutting through somehow. Um, and that annoys me a little bit because then that sort of a vocal seems a bit weak, but they're not. Tara's voice is incredibly loud. Mm. Um, actually, she doesn't need to put a lot of effort in to make it loud. 
but the vocals and the drums is really cutting through sometimes. I'm not really sure why or how, and it could be me as well. However, in terms of actual musicianship, I'm very much a fan of this, and I like the ambition of the project, even if it doesn't maybe thrill me all the time. But I would rather somebody take on a project and try, but, you know, have weak points in it, than not bother at all. Because it still takes a lot to put yourself out there, yeah. especially to say I'm going to cover some Depeche Mode songs <laughs> like that everyone knows. Like, yeah. it's... Um, it's quite a challenge. So I've got a lot of respect for that. And that, yeah. that's got a lot of courage. So uh, all in all, I think it's pretty accomplished. Nice grungy tribute to an influential, powerful band. And uh, yeah, just, just something something with the mix didn't quite mix for me, but um, didn't, didn't quite gel. And I don't really know what it is, but uh, I'm sure because you're, you've got a far more keen ear than me, you would work it out instantly what the issue is. You think? <laughs> I think you would. Now things get put into seventh gear. It's the most unenthusiastic introduction <laughs> to the next segment. But you know what this <laughs> means, Chris. For the first time in probably four months, we can use the gear jingle. Oh, right. We have a gear jingle? Yeah, we do. You made it. Ashley and Chris have a lot of gear. Oh, <laughs> did we ever use that? Yes, we did. And I've used it. That uh, was a long time ago, though, because we purposely <laughs> don't talk about gear because this is where our listening statistics disappear. <laughs> Ashley and Chris, they love all kinds of gear. Also, now they're broke, they are super noise friends. We're going to talk about gear because, Hell yeah. as I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm pretty sure people got stuff for Christmas or I'm pretty sure people decided in their New Year's resolutions, I want to focus more on music. But what do you actually need as a budding musician out there to start out? What's the best gear we've had? And if we were being honest with ourselves, what gear do we actually need to do what mm -hmm. we do? Because the main message of all of this is you probably don't need as much as you think you do. <laughs> um, yeah. But there we go. So let's start with that. Uh, what gear... Does a musician, do you think, Chris, especially, I mean, you're not just a guitarist, you play other things as well, but I'd say, well, your prime instrument's guitar, right? So hmm. what would you say is the absolute starting out gear? If I've just got a guitar for Christmas or, or uh, I've got some lessons or I've decided I want to start following guitar, for example, what, what does a musician really need? Well, I think really depends on what you want to do like if you just want to play guitar around the campfire like the cliche uh itself you'd need nothing well a, a guitar and that's it and a campfire 
and uh, <laughs> yeah, some logs, uh, maybe a lighter, <laughs> some lighter fluid. No, but that that's it. But and if the same thing goes for for an electric guitar, if you if you just want to play with with some some dudes uh, in a garage, you need an amp, a cable, and a guitar. Um, that being said, you almost immediately you need a tuner <laughs> for either situation. So indeed. The most basic stuff you need as a guitar player, I would say, is a an actual instrument and whatever it takes to make it loud uh, and a tuner. But a tu- you don't even need a tuner because there are a shit ton of apps out there you can use and everybody has a phone. Mm. Or you can go mm. the old school route and uh, purchase a tuning fork, which is also a good practice for the year. Mm. Mm. I, I, I mean, I don't know anyone who does that, but... Um, <laughs> I used to have one in my pencil case to train my ear during uh, school class. Wow. Yeah. And I think I kind of, kind of achieved relative pitch. So whenever I get a, uh, I can go somewhere with it. So I think we're kind of the same. I'm not perfect, but I'm within a semitone or so. I'm probably closer. I'm like pretty on where it should be. Yeah, yeah. And the other day when I was tuning the guitar, <clears throat> it's the first time I've tuned the guitar and it was almost nearly perfect, every wow. single string, without using a tuner, which cool. is the first time that's ever happened. So that that was cool. Nice. But that's taken exposure to music for about 25 years to get yeah. to that point. So, yeah. Dude, and I don't even know if perfect pitch is like more of a curse than it is actually a blessing. Yeah, when you can't switch it off and everything to you sounds out of tune, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's such a cool thing after a while. So an instrument, but I think your first point was correct. Like, what do you actually? I think you have to ask yourself, like, what am I actually doing this for? Right? If you're yeah. just in your room, maybe some cheap piece of shit guitar or piano or whatever it is works because you're just playing for yourself. Who really cares? But. But yeah, it depends. Maybe your New Year's resolution is to sell out a massive arena and you want to actually take it seriously. Well, you might need some yeah. more stuff. But Yeah, I think I think yeah, it depends on what you want to do and especially what kind of genre do you want to explore, right? Because mm. of course you can play with every guitar, every genre, <laughs> but mm. you actually need some kind of distortion if you want to go in or overdrive if you want to go into rock and metal. So mm. All some amps do have that in there, but like all of a sudden, the list of things you might want to acquire grows, mm, and mm. in some genres, it grows a lot more than in others. Mm, mm. Like in when we think about the whole singer songwriter area, you don't need a lot of stuff. You're basically back to the campfire and the guitar thing and a microphone if you want to sing. Mm. Oh, maybe that would be a nice thing. If you decide to actually play gigs with an acoustic guitar, you want to think about purchasing a microphone. Mm. Like mm. one for your vocals and one for your guitar. So you're all set. Or maybe a DI box. That's See, another thing. <laughs> yeah, See, now this is where then you're like, oh, maybe we need that. Or there may yeah. be that as well. <laughs> and one thing I will say while you're talking about acoustic guitars. Um, a question I was asked by a friend before who some wanted to play acoustic first to start off. Um, they were a bit older and they asked, should I start with a sort of nylon strung guitar to get his fingers used to it and all this kind of crap? Oh, and I, I don't know. For, for me, I'm like, I don't see the need. Like, 
quite honestly. Like if you want to start, if you want to play acoustic and you want to jump into it and you don't want it to be a Spanish guitar, buy a fucking acoustic guitar. Like you're going to get used to it somewhere or another. Like don't, don't fret too much. And he's like 12 years old. So it's like, well, he's obviously got big enough hands and he's capable enough to hold it. So it doesn't really matter. If he was one years old, maybe not, but it's, um, so that thing. But I remember one of the questions she asked was about, um, should it be, uh, should it have a pickup in it um, or not? Like, should it, um, hmm. uh, be, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Man, I've lost it. No, be electroacoustic. Or yeah, not. Right. And I was like, for me, and this comes back to your microphone thing, I do have an electroacoustic. I have two now. And I always still feel like I need it. But to be perfectly honest, every time I've recorded or played a gig, I've always put a mic in front of the guitar. I've never actually plugged it in. Yeah. Like, it just sounds better somehow. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just Dude, yeah. Piezos still sound like shit. Yeah, they just don't sound great. They do if you're in a small <laughs> bar, you know, with a few people and you're just plugging it in. Whatever, fine. No one's going to kill you. But, but it just doesn't sound great. Uh, somehow the only time I didn't was the Molly's pet gig where they plugged it in I wish they hadn't actually I wish I played in front of a mic I was instead. about to ask you dude no shit I was like didn't you actually use the piezo sound when I was at your gig with Molly, yeah, Molly's pet and I didn't like it it was too bright and yeah it's brittle not. it's it's clingy and it doesn't it doesn't have the room and the weight and anything a lot mm. of pu- mm. producers when they well some producers always uh, recorded together with the microphones just to give the mic recording some some more bite mm. and clarity mm. but ugh, i don't know man i i've never heard a piezo pickup system that i really dug same even on super expensive guitars i've never heard one that actually sounds good yeah um it's either been people who have adapted their own pickups themselves with an insert somehow yeah. Or they've mic'd it. Like, Dude, there's like a whole better. range of pedals from various um, manufacturers who like actively are built to change the sound of Piezo to sound more like a like an actual guitar. I think mm-hmm. TC Electronic mm-hmm. did the whole something with Rezo. Rezo, I don't, I don't know. And there is like the I boxes with built-in equalizers and reverbs and compressors to make it sound more like an just. Take a fucking mic. I know the yeah. danger of uh, causing feedback is higher, but still, if you don't like the piezo sound, don't use it. No, and especially when you're starting out, let's face it, you're not really going to be in a massive situation where you're going to have to worry too much about feedback. I'm assuming if you're just starting out, you might play a small bar max. Yeah. So, you know, think about mics. I think that's a good tip for sure. Another thing I put down, though, in terms of things that I think you might need if you're starting out or even if you're not i think it's kind of always good to have someone else critique you a little bit so even Mm. if you don't have a teacher every week or every few days or whatever for the rest of your life i don't think that's a big deal but honestly i learned so much just from sitting down with other musicians and having them sort of be like oh why do you play like that or oh that's interesting that you play or or whatever i didn't maybe not even having a lesson but finding a buddy of some sort or someone with some musical training (laughs) who you can sort of compare and bounce off of, I think is, is yeah. really vital. Um, and I think a lot of musicians, myself included, will think, oh, we can do it ourselves and we don't need that. And then decades later, 
we realised, oh, actually, that probably would have been quite helpful from the start, actually. <laughs> that would have been pretty good. Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of think that that's almost a must. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I never took lessons. <laughs> but now you teach. Even more, but now so. I teach, which is weird. <laughs> that's very weird. But. Yeah. Um, well, what, I had a one-time session with my choir conductor back then who gave me one of the best tips for playing fast uh, alter, alternate picking, which I use to this day. So I had one lesson, I think. Um, he also studied acoustic guitar. So... <laughs> Um, no, but, and I, I do know what you mean. And I always thought about maybe I should have, uh, gotten myself a teacher or some lessons. Mm. On the other hand, I actually made quite some money without ever having had a yeah, lesson. So totally. Could I, yeah, so maybe, I, so that's what I mean. Maybe lessons is the wrong word, but I think, I do think you need other people around you who are at least interested in what it is you're trying to learn or achieve or passionate about the same style of yeah. music or whatever. Because I really do think that helps you build your skill and your knowledge. Yeah. And just, it's not something, I don't think music is or should be something you should do on your own, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And that's what I always try to teach my students. Like, it doesn't even have to be another guitar player. Just get somebody to play with you because it pushes yeah. you so much and I, that comes from someone who has spent a lot of time in front of his PC monitor uh, practicing guitar to YouTube videos and taps and whatever. Just having a drummer with you who suggests maybe a song you wouldn't have thought about or who raises the tempo so much because he doesn't know better that you have to play faster. Mm. It'll get mm. you somewhere. And yeah, but ultimately I'm I'm absolutely with you. Considering lessons should be is a must, I think, or at least, like you said, another musician. At least find it a companion, yeah, <coughs> yeah. in some way to be. Because that's definitely where I've had the most fun and learned the most is just yeah. by playing with other people. Not even in a formal lesson setting, but just jamming with them or talking about some sort of song or some style of music yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's definitely where I've learned the most. I took vocal um, lessons. Vocal lessons. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, for the whole breathing Something thing. Something I've never done. So I took lessons on piano. Never yeah, I can guitar, hear that. But uh, <laughs> never on uh, never on vocals. Wow. Yeah. Freaking expensive, but really, really did a lot for my voice, I think. Did it help? Because I yeah. kind of just felt like it, it would be a waste of time. But No, 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 no. Like the whole breathing thing really helped me out. And like more of the mental state I should my, I should get myself into. Like I used to, because as a rock singer, you always try, like you, most of the time you're singing in a really high register, but still with mm. mixed voice. Uh, mm. So the whole belting thing. And I mm. never could, before I took the lessons, I, I don't know where I ended. Uh, and I had to go immediately into falsetto. And I think I almost gained, I wouldn't say an octave, but at least a sixth or seventh with belting like just because my singing teacher alexa Orian was her is her name um she's a jazz singer by the way and she was just like you from the biology of things right you can reach this note with your with your falsetto voice with your head voice 
But this shouldn't be an issue with your with your mixed voice or whatever it's called. I don't know, Bruststimme mm-hmm. we say in, in German. And and she gave me a couple of directions and some pep talk here and there. And all of a sudden, sometime later, it, it worked just by doing some breathing exercises, uh, believing in yourself and stuff. So yeah, a bit esoteric, I think. But mm. yeah, I really uh, gained a lot from those lessons. Yeah, mm. I, I really should have some vocal lessons. Um, I just kind of sing and go along with it, but I noticed that I'm not I'm not um, as good. And some of the problems that I really hate, I'm, I'm pretty sure someone could teach me how to just not do them, and it wouldn't take very long. Yeah. For example, my voice hits a certain point on uh, in my range where it just will not sing another note above that. I can't remember where it is exactly, but I'd say it's a D in the fourth or fifth octave, whatever. And then I'll be like, okay. But to go to the next voice, it's almost like my throat has to move somehow. Like, yeah. like there's a step and I can't quite get it. So if I ever sing something that's sort of smooth over that gap, you can always hear my voice switches from one style to sort of falsetto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking hate it. And I don't know what it is and I don't know how to describe it. Somewhere. But I remember I explained it to someone before, a woman called Alexandra. And um, she's a vocal coach here. I think she's still here. Maybe I should follow that up. And um, she said that, no, you could definitely train that out of you. Like, for sure. Maybe you're near the top of your range and that's why you're struggling. But if, you know, you're one or two notes above, it's not, you can reach it. But it feels like I get to a point where it's yeah. like, literally, I cannot do it when this I start singing like fucking idiot. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's just not smooth. Um, that's the main thing. I really should train that out somehow. There's yeah. got to be a way to do it. But anyway. Cool. Okay, lessons or companions. Right, yeah. but on our little journey of musicianship that we've done, mine starting in piano and then exploring guitar by myself over the last 10 years or so, um, and you starting with guitar, right? Yes, with an electric guitar, because I so, still hate everybody picking up nylon strings for their first instrument. <laughs> I don't, I don't get, get it. it. I don't get it. Like either I started on electric guitar as well. I never started the whole nylon thing. Yeah, they have wider necks. Like yeah, they they yeah. are harder not to play. cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm sorry, they're not cool. Like <laughs> fuck off, Carlos Santana or whatever. Like they're not cool. Like <laughs> go away. But um, if we're being like along our journey before we go into being honest about what bare pieces <clears throat> we actually need, what are some of the best gear finds we've had? along our Mm. journey you can start um i need to switch into the producer mode uh for some of my uh findings Mm. because most of the time i don't like i I actually i wouldn't consider myself a guitar player anymore more of a producer Mm -hmm. and which automatically automatically comes with having a bit more gear lying around yeah um, not to the point of some people, <clears throat> myself, <laughs> because sometimes I just like to buy something I really mm, want. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you like, if you're into producing and beat making, well, beat making, um, sorry, I shouldn't degrade beat making. You were proud of yourself doing beat making, then you degraded it. Now you're like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, I, I hate that everybody's trying to make beats. I don't, what is that? What, what is that? What is that? What is making a beat? What, what, what? 
Is it four bars? Is it two bars of the same looped <laughs> shit? Oh, I don't know, man. I get that there are very good, very high-paid, very professional beat makers, but like calling yourself a beat maker because you got a Focusrite interface uh, is the same like calling yourself a photographer because you bought a second-hand Canon for fuck's sake. Exactly. Rant over. Yep. <laughs> good. That was it's a it's a worthy rant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, uh, one of my like the the one of the most useful things you can purchase um, as a producer or. Maybe even a keyboard player is a nice MIDI controller. And ah, they, yeah. They come in all sizes and with lots of options. A lot of some some of them have drum pads on there. Some of them have multiple faders and uh, potentiometers and built-in arpeggiators and whatnot. Um, I owned a couple of um, MIDI controllers or master keyboards, as you can call them. Some of them had, I think, four octaves, but I actually now settled on a small Aturia keystep, which has which starts with an F and has three octaves. And there's mm. not much in there. There's actually an arpeggiator in there and a sequencer, which is cool for synth stuff. But the cool thing is it's not super expensive. I think 120 bucks or something like that. But it has such a nice feel. It's so compact. Uh, it even has aftertouch built in. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's so cool. And of course, you can upgrade to the larger versions with more stuff in there. But as someone who tried a lot of master keyboards and had Behringer one, uh, I, I had Nectar, I, th I don't know, MIDI something. But their Turia stuff is so nice and wasn't that expensive because you can spend like thousands of bucks on master keyboards. Of course, mm -hmm. those have then weighted keys again. I think there's a cool one from Native Instruments, which is around thousand bucks. And this thing is basically a DAW in itself. Mm. But just mm. for going from one place to another to write a sick beat, uh, an Aturia keystep is like the coolest thing out there. And mm. never let me down in the year I've got it. I wish I had purchased it earlier. So yeah, a good so fancy master keyboard is something I would absolutely recommend if you get into producing so it's the aturia uh, key step 37 that one right oh. uh no the, the even smaller you? one even smaller yeah wow see with the multiple right. camera setup i could now switch over and show, show it to you in front of me <laughs> uh the essential the key step pro the key step itself. it's just key step yeah yeah that one there right Oh, wow, uh, I'm in Sweden, so 1,369 crowns, so about 120 euros. Yeah. Something like that. Nice. Yeah. Oh, wow, really and that cool. is tiny. No flashy, like, drum pad on it or anything like that. Yeah. Pretty simple. A MIDI controller is something I haven't owned, and I really should have. And when I was just getting into sort of making music on my own and trying to make it sound a bit better and stuff, uh, we had a kid. So um, that, that kind of went by the yeah. wayside. But uh, I really should. And uh, maybe I should get that at some point then. Yeah, I don't know if you as a piano, if, you, if, if uh, as a piano player, I think you would like more keys. Uh, yeah, for sure. But, um, because I still have like a larger one laying. No, actually, now it's in a rehearsal room. But I had for a short time, I had both uh, connected to my PC. So when I, whenever I wanted to play some, like in a sense, classical piano style stuff, I had the the low octaves and everything. But then, mm. then I was like, 
I'm not a piano player and nobody can hear if I uh, double some takes. So I just play the high octave with one hand and record it and then record another where I drop the octaves and play it under there and that's it. Got to be honest, man, even as a piano player myself doing it, and the very few times I've ever used synths or anything to do it, and they've just been whatever size, I normally do the same thing. Record what would be my right hand, then record what would be my left if I need it. Yeah. Or drop it an octave or whatever. Yeah, um, okay. It feels weird because I'm used to doing two at once, yeah. but it's it's fine. It works fine. Yeah. What else have you got? What have been some good gear finds then for you throughout uh, your musical journey? Okay, uh, a good microphone. Um, and w for me now, it's the SM7B, which I'm talking into right now. A standard staple of Shure's uh, microphones. It's not actually that... Like there are... I think we, we did a mic uh, shootout once, right? Uh, uh, over Signal. Privately, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we I think we even had better candidates. But for what it's worth, uh, and using it as a, as a drum microphone, it's so good. Uh, it reflects most noise. I think it's one of the dynamic mics that reflects the most noises from the sides. Mm. So if I'm mm. snapping my finger right uh, to the side of it, you can, re of course, you can hear it, but not very loud. Within standard SM58, uh, you would hear much more of the of the snapping. And especially mm. for recording drums, the f the fucking uh, the freaking cymbal bleed everywhere. Uh, the SM7B is a nice choice, but yeah, pick uh, whatever microphone suits your needs best. If it's a dyna dynamic or if it's a large condenser, small condenser. Yeah, investing in a good microphone. I should have done that earlier. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I've just got this one because it plugs into the laptop. But uh, I should just buy the Shure SM7B. It, it's it's pretty decent. They're not that expensive. I think they're about. You can even buy bundles, I think, with like cables and lots of other shit if you need to as well. And I think they're about 400 euros or so. They're not expensive. Um, they released really. a USB version um, a couple of years ago, I think one or two years ago. And mm -hmm. my guitar player uses it, uses it. And it's so good. It sounds really similar to this one. Mm -hmm. I remember we did that mic shootout. You put them all in a row. And I think the one I picked what's the one this one that we use and i don't think that was the answer you wanted because you were trying to justify buying a ridiculously expensive mic. I, I, I don't even remember yeah i'm oh, no, sure the, the, it was the 421 it was a sennheiser uh, 421 ah. you you like the ah. best which is a tom which we use for tom's a tom recording uh -huh. yeah 400 euros for a single tom mic <laughs> mm, yeah okay <laughs> what else have you got on your gear? Or okay. What, have, yeah, what else have you got for good gear finds along your Sw way? Switching back to guitar player mode. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite delay pedal of all time. I talked about it as my lo uh, Lonely Desert Island pedal. It's I the, think I know what you're going to talk about, but go on. The Boss DD7. So, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Or for that matter now, the DD8, I think, which I haven't tried yet. And if you want to go a step further, the DD20. Um, DD20 yeah that's a double pedal one uh, which has like either you can use it as a tap tempo switch or as a uh, preset change switch 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 yeah um, of course everybody has their favorite delay pedals and I think talking with guitar players about delay pedals is almost as dangerous as talking <laughs> about them uh, 
uh, about uh, distortions or amplifiers. Mm, mm. Uh, but yeah, you just need if if you're not into making the whole super ambient stuff with multiple layers of reverb and delays, you only need one good delay pedal that can do it all. But most of the time, nobody will hear if it's a digital pedal that emulates an analog sound, if it's an actual analog pedal. And no. as, that being said, the analog mod on the DD7 is my favorite mode. And it emulates the old, oh, what is it called? DM2? Boss of, uh, one of Boss's first analog delays, uh, which has now been re-released. <laughs> the thing is, can you ever go wrong with Boss pedals? They all seem pretty good. Yeah, most of them, I think. There are some weird ones, and some of the distortions are a bit meh. But I, I mean, uh, in brackets, I have, uh, like, um, continuing from the delay, I also have a good reverb, and that would be the RV6 mm. for me. Mm. I need to buy myself some more boss pedals. And there's two or three that I actually have on my wish list that I haven't, haven't what are those? around to. Uh, the digital lathe one we literally just talked about that's on there what else is oh I took it off the blues driver right blues driver's on there but I found it second hand really cheap I should just buy that yeah uh, the RV6 and that's about it actually no that is it so those, th else those is three that I have lying right next to me here <laughs> everything else is pianos and stuff <laughs> that I can't afford yeah, those would be my my top picks uh, on the top of my head. Uh, well, I, I do I do have one go on, go on. one um, like a major synthesizer I use for all my synthy stuff, which is the Novation Peak, like a really expensive shit huge mm -hmm. thingy, which is super cool and can do everything. And I will never in my lifetime uh, wish to explore the whole thing because there, there's just so much uh, of uh, functions in there and so many weird paths you can take and add user samples and waves and everything like if you like synths you should get also again one really cool one that can do everything and you'll be mm -hmm. settled for mm -hmm. years and years and years but that, oftentimes that's not the point <laughs> sometimes you just want to buy shit that looks cool exactly um trying to think of some of the best gear i've bought along the way now i must say in terms of gear for piano not not really that much uh just find yourself a decent piano or a decent electric <laughs> piano and if you're really struggling with the uh, digital pianos a quick word on that acoustic pianos definitely play better as long as they're looked after well but they are loud they are heavy they don't fit in everyone's apartments um, and you can find them for free, but normally they require a little bit of work to actually get them good. They require tuning relatively frequently. They're as unpredictable as guitars, unfortunately. And um, some go out of tune every few days. Some never go out of tune ever. Like, it, it's really unpredictable. So if you want to save all of that faff, a digital piano is definitely the way to go. If you don't want to play synth, uh, straight away or you, you know, you're not really interested in synth or keyboards or whatever I would even say if you're a kid and I mean really young start with a digital piano of some description learning the nuance of a weighted key is totally worth the pain and the annoyance when you can't do it like at the mm. beginning it really is um, 
I've seen people sort of start on really shit Casio keyboards and then they're quite accomplished players. Well, like kids, I mean, and then they transfer to some weighted keys and their technique is all over the place. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so I would totally start with something at least semi-weighted. It doesn't have to be ivory feel or any of that bollocks. A lot of people do ivory feel keys. I don't actually like them. I never liked ivory keys on my old piano or ivory keys. I didn't like it at all. I actually like plastic feel keys. Um, a lot of people don't. Um, but start off, I would start off with something weighted. And if you go the acoustic route, and this is one of the best bargains you will ever find, if you can find one, find someone who knows their shit about tuning a piano because they should be your best friend forever, if so. There's not that many piano tuners around these days, unfortunately. Um, it's semi-dying trade, um, which is a shame. And I think people think it's more expensive than what it is. But a basic tune of a piano will set you back about 80 euros. It won't cost very much. It's hmm. really not as expensive as people think it is. I think they think it's going to cost hundreds. Um, even replacement of strings costs a few euros. It's really not expensive. Um so yeah, that would be my top tip as a good find. And one of the best finds I've found along the way is a reliable, useful piano tuner. And by that, I mean a person yeah. um, who can help you with that shit. In terms of other gear, best bargains I've had have mainly come with guitar. When I was younger, strap locks were massively <laughs> necessary because I wanted to throw my guitar around like a motherfucker. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I soon realized it's going to fly across the room and twat your mum in the head, which is exactly what it did one time. Nice. So um, strap locks were great. Not necessary per se, but I still do use them. Um, there's a couple of problematic guitars I own. The Epi is one where no matter what strap I ever put on, it seems to always slip off. I don't know why. It always feels unstable. So that I do actually have locks on. Not necessary otherwise. Um, when I started recording music, any of the focus rights were pretty good. A lot of people have the 2i2. I went straight in for the is it 2i6 or something. I can't remember now. Whatever it was. Mm. I had six inputs. Um, and um, some people go right out for, I think it's the 8i8 or whatever, but that's overkill for most people. Yeah. Um, I have the 2i2 and I have now the it, claret. <laughs> And it's not, I'm not just saying this to make it up. It was even in the documentary series they did uh, a while back, Sonic Highways. The Foo Fighters, I kid you not, record on a Focusrite 2i2, some of really? their stuff. It was in their documentary even. You can see cool. it there, not on yeah. a desk. Not for everything, obviously, it'd be ridiculous, but like for some guitar track or whatever, like they record straight through yeah. that. And um, yeah. it's a really, really cool bit of kit that is super easy to learn how to use. Really, yeah. really easy. I think there's like three knobs on it and that's it so and they get po more powerful with each generation because we're about to buy one for our backing tracks for the band and we mm. need one with multiple outputs yeah and they're now by generation three uh generation three and have like more stuff in there that usually only the claret series had like an emulation mm. of the of the air preamps from back then and i don't know what <clears throat> So totally worth it. And I yeah. know some people will say, if you're making music at home, you can just buy adapters and plug things into USBs and no, record man. into GarageBand and stuff. You probably can, but it's such a faff. It doesn't sound as good. And honestly, just buy a fucking audio interface. Like really, yeah. it's not expensive. They're super easy to use. 
and I don't know why I didn't buy one sooner, really. Um, in terms of other good bargains I found more recently, this one, the Proco Rat 2 Distortion Pedal yeah. has become my absolute favourite pedal. I love it to pieces. Cool. I, uh, it's wonderful. It costs like 80 euro. It's robust as shit. You could throw it off a fucking skyscraper and it'll be fine. <laughs> it's built like a tank. It's pretty weighty. It would take up quite a lot of space on your pedal board, but I don't really care because I just play on the, with the floor and my daughter messes it up anyway, so I don't give a shit. But um, it's, oh, it's such a wonderful pedal. It really is. And you can make it sound fuzzy. You can make it sound overdriven. You can make it sound a bit bluesy. I really, really like it. Um, I th- read some reviews that said it's a little bit dry, kind of. The effect, it's not quite as wet as people would want i've not found that actually mm. but again for the price it's like 80 euro like really just buy one it's been used on literally thousands of songs um yeah. it, it's a wonderful little pedal i really love it and the last one you're not gonna like the one i bought but it's more of a praise for you for your tip around what i for the thing i bought i'm more thanking you than the thing I bought itself, yeah. which isn't great. <laughs> and that is, I bought the Harley Benton Power Plant Junior because I only own five pedals and it only has five separate power outlets. Now, it's a silver one, right? It is. Yeah. It's not great, but for the low level I play at at home and the very shit limited number of pedals I have, it's fine and it definitely has made the effects cleaner. Yeah, daisy chaining them without a doubt. Cool. I even recorded it the other day. Now, it's not the best. It's still a bit fuzzy. You can hear it is. You can still hear it's a bit electrical. But, but it's it's much better. I must admit, because you recommended me one that cost about two hundred euros, and I was like, yeah. I'm not paying two hundred euros for what <laughs> is basically a power supply. Like yeah. I'm just not doing it. But. This for just playing at home, as I say, relatively low level that I just want to pull out because, it, let's face it, as I've said, my daughter ruins it anyway. It absolutely does fine. And that was where it led me on to this as a good find that you taught me very recently. Honestly, do not daisy chain your pedals. <laughs> like, unless they're really good cables or something yeah. to isolate, I wouldn't do it again. Like, a power supply is... Actually, now you've told me about it, it's vital, really. Like, yeah. really vital. I'd almost say it's vital if you want to get into the many effect pedal route. Yeah, as soon as you get, like, yeah. And that, of course, it depends, again, on the on the amount of pedals and the size of the pedal board. But, yeah, good, clean power supply is, yeah, vital, like you said. So, there we go. So, I'm going to thank you for that. But that's oh, been a good, a good discovery. Well. Not necessarily the Harley Benton one. Per se, it's fine. But, Dude, I um, actually put that on a small pedal board of one of my students. So, and I do have the blue uh, one, uh, the, the the bigger one. Mm-hmm. Uh, have been using it for years now. It's now in in in, in, in the rehearsal space and powers three boss pedals, I think, uh, without any problems and issues. So, yeah, of course, the the expensive one is when you put a shitload of digital stuff on there. It's good. Uh, and almost necessary because otherwise you will get a lot of noise mm, mm, but yeah for mm. like the average user or average pedal board the small stuff is great 
Yeah, and really worth it. And when you said it, I remember when you said it, it's something I'd never thought about in like, I'm fucking 32 years old and know a little bit about music, but it was something I never considered. And then when you said it, I was a bit like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then I bought it. <laughs> Fuck and that guy. Inst- instantly it was better. I was like, oh, okay, I'm such an idiot. Like, really, this is so much better already. Yeah, so, but it took, took me 15, 13, 14 years as well. It's just, yeah. Well, there we go. There anyway, we go. if we're being super honest with ourselves, what would be the actual bare essential pieces of gear we need? Because like you said earlier, some stuff we buy just because it's a bit cool and because we can, and because it's fun. But if yeah. we're being really honest, what do you really need? Okay, let's let's put a let's put it in a in some kind of because of let's put in some context, right? Yeah. Like I mainly play at home, occasionally play bars. That's it. So my list is not long. Okay, just, then let's go. Let's go with a with a with a gig scenario, like with our mu- kind of music we play uh, uh, for a gig. Okay, go on then. So for a gig, to me, considering I normally play. For so my normal gigging setup is that I play at bars that normally have shitty PA systems already there. Uh, I don't bring much gear with me, and I don't have a band. So my bare essential list is very short. Um, some decent power, some decent cables. Don't buy ch- shitty, complete cheap ones that cost like three quid or something. No, spend a little bit more money. They do sound better, and they are better quality. Um, an instrument, obviously. Uh, I take my amp with me, the bass breaker. Uh, if I do anything electric, because it's fun, um, but at the minute not. A decent mic, mic stand, a tuner, and a capo. That's literally it. That's all I need. And if you're playing uh, electric guitar show, like w- which pedals would you? Okay, now, now let's do let's do another one where we the dream well, setup no, okay, thing. No, but if I do electric guitar, I'm only ever playing solo electric, so I only do maybe two or three. No, two pedals max. Um, I used an octave pedal once. Ooh, thought it nice. was kind of cool. Gave it a nice little depth of tone. Like it was kind of nice to have that. And uh, the flashback. Uh, the TC uh, Electronic. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Have one that of those as used, well. That, that's a wonderful pedal. I mean, you can even use it on vocals and stuff. Um, it's it's wonderful. I love that pedal a yeah. lot. But that would be really be it. So, And even them, they're not necessary. Most of my gigs are acoustic where a piano is normally supplied. So really, mics, stand, cables, guitar, maybe an amp. That's it. Nothing else. And if you but had your, no restrictions and no, like, what would you, what would you, your dream setup be then? If you oh, could just go all out, whatever, like a, a fucking grand, grand piano. piano. Obviously, <laughs> be a grand piano. Like, without, that'd be top of the list, without a doubt. Nice. Ignoring mics and techie shit. Is that a Steinway a, or, or Beckstein? Steinway. It would be a Steinway Imperial Grand, for sure. Nice. Um, 100%. Um, so that's like half a million euros um, gone um, <laughs> or whatever. I'd probably have a few synths, probably a Korg or two from their higher range stuff, um, which would be nice. Um, otherwise, a rack of some decent guitars. But yeah, not, not, not crazy on the pedal front, though. Hmm. Probably wouldn't be too crazy on that. Um, it's not my sort of style, so um, 
don't really need much, but I guess your bare <laughs> Once a fucking grand piano, but oh, no, no, not a lot of pedals. No, one half a million euro <laughs> instrument, but aside from that... I, I just don't much. like spending money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what about you? Because your bare essentials for gigging must... Well, they're going to be longer than my list, for sure. Actually, I just remembered I used to... I had I kind of had that set up uh, for a long time because when I... Like when I'm really honest, I need a clean sound, a distorted sound, and a delay, uh, and the the rest is nice uh, things, nice um, nice to have uh, mm, features. Mm. So I used to play shows with a bus multi effect. Uh, in fact, mm. the ME50. Hang on. My old <laughs> flatmate at university one. had one of these. Yeah, the blue one, and it has. A, a slot for distortion, uh, one for modulation, and uh, one for delay. And even mm. has a wah-wah or a volume built-in. Mm. Mm. So for my band, I could actually gig with this setup. I could play every song. Um, I might need um, a special um, the, the, the whammy pedal for drop tuning uh, my guitar if I wanted to save on multiple guitars. Because mm. some of our songs are in standard E, some of uh, them are in drop C. So what I do mm. is I mm. tune to drop D and then drop it further drop a it whole step further, with yeah. the pedal. Yeah, okay. And nobody ever notices, by the way, that no. <laughs> the drop occurs digitally. So yeah, that is absolutely possible for a minimum rig. But if I want to go all out, I would, of course, all the effects themselves would be separate pedals. Mm. I every other month or so I think about actually purchasing a camper or an XFX someday, like where everything can be controlled via MIDI, because a lot okay. of our show comes from Ableton or, or like the backing tracks. Yeah. And if you check out some of Periphery's live rig, they do all their changes are being controlled by Ableton or like whatever mm. program they use. So they send MIDI data to their XFX and they can con like they really can focus on their guitar playing because all the switches of their sounds are being made for them by the computer, mm -hmm, which I is see. a really intriguing concept. I think, yeah. uh, of course, this I, I love to do the step dance with the pedals and to actually get down on my knees and fiddle with the knobs and everything. I really like yeah. that. And the guitarists I admire especially um, Mark Engels from Dredge does that a lot. So that's where my influence come from. But the whole computer-controlled rig thing where you can even control the lights and everything and the backing tracks and the guitar sound, it's just like the tech geek in me is like, oh, I want to build that and I want, I want, mm, it, I want mm. it to work. Mm, mm. Have you heard of the, um, the gig rig? The gig rig. There we go. It's a hand-built um, pedal looper effects board from the UK. Um, oh, you! I think you'd like that um, YouTube channel they have. Uh, that pedal show, it's called. Yeah, that pedal show. I know it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and Dan is the guy who builds the gig rig. And it's like uh -huh. a fully controllable thing where you can add like i don't know how many effects and midi setups and whatever to the to the it's basically the the in between between uh, xfx stuff and analog pedals and of course you can combine it with everything the gig rig g3 is the latest yeah. one came out last yeah. year 
Yeah. So, yeah, as someone said here, it's an in-between between a pedal board and a switching system. Mm, cool. Yeah, the cool thing, even is it has this function where you can switch the pedal order around for patches because every pedal gets his own its own loop and uh, then you suggest the like the the gig rig thingy itself this pedal comes first and this pedal comes second huh? and you can switch them around digitally so if you wow that's cool right if you want to have a patch where the delay comes after the distortion and then the next patch you want it vice versa oh you can that's do that. really cool yeah actually <laughs> Because that's a bugbear of mine, even when I'm just playing at home here, and I've chained a couple of two together, you know, really simple setup. Yeah. I'll sometimes be like, oh, but if I'm playing along to a song, I sometimes do, or just sit there jamming, I'm like, oh, but it'd be nice if I can move the delay. Yeah. But then you just have to sit and you fiddle. It takes a minute, but it's still annoying. Um, and of course, when you're doing that live, I mean, you can't do that live, really. Yeah. Um, so that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. And it's really simple. How did I not think about that? <laughs> Like, I, I think the gig rig thing got so huge like everybody's using one Devin Townsend has uh, used one uh, Stephen Wilson like all the guys you would think who use some stuff like that are actually using gig rigs wow so uh, the gig rig would be on your dream th- list yeah I think a gig rig and like it just paired with an XFX and a Kemper and just basically sound like every guitar player ever <laughs> all at once <laughs> But really, then, your bare essentials weren't that different. You yeah. Know, an instrument, some cables, decent mic, a couple of pedals. Yeah. Like, and that's what I guess we're trying to get across. To start out, especially, you really don't need a lot of stuff. It doesn't have to be a ridiculously expensive journey to start out in music at all. Yeah. Um, and especially and when, and if you're listening to like the, like the classic songs and albums, if they're electronic or rock or whatever, like that's when people didn't have all that shit. Exactly. Just use the stuff that was available. I know. And that that's, took me a long time to realize that myself. Cause when I grew up, I was, well, I still am a massive fan of like Neil Young and the who and stuff like that. And all of their distortion sound comes from volume. Doesn't come from yeah. ridiculous effects and stuff. It just comes from the amp being cranked to shit. And that's it. That's literally it. There's nothing yeah. else. And if you want like, a clean sound, just pull the fucking volume pot down on your guitar. Yeah. And it's that's all they do. And it's like, and I spent years often being like, oh, but I need a pedal to sound like Pete Townsend or yeah. I need to sound like Neil Young with this. And it's like, no, no, he just bought a Fender Tweed amp and just cranked it. And that's his sound. Yeah. Now he uses pedals and stuff, obviously, because there's not an infinite supply of 1963 Fender Tweed amps. But it's, um, <laughs> it was just like, no, like you say, if you're trying to emulate a lot of this classic style, there really was either no pedals or very few. Yeah. Um, so you don't need to go too crazy. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. That's, that's where we're going to end that conversation. <laughs> Get started in music. Don't spend a fortune. You don't need to, essentially. And good luck to you. Good luck. You're going to regret it. Yeah. No, you won't. But <laughs> it's fun. It's wonderful. Chris, it's been yes. lovely. Yeah, it, is, As it always. has been. In the next episode, we are going to talk to Moves again for our annual uh, catch-up with Moves cool. Johnson, who's uh, got his orchestral releases, finally. They're coming out soon. So uh, it'd nice. be cool to hear from him. Um, finally put all of his granddad's diaries and letters to music. So that'll be, uh, that'll be cool to hear about. 
Um, and that's that. And then, of course, we'll have up-to-date sort of new music and lots of other things as well. Lots of other chat about dieting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More stuff. Eat less, do more. Eat Stay more safe. protein. You'll uh, lose weight by your, uh, itself. Is this true? Yeah. My wife is even like, we should buy protein powder. I'm like, well, I'm like, okay. Okay, you should well. eat all your calories, but the more protein is in there, the, the, the body takes, uh, it, it uh, requires a lot more energy to actually burn the protein than it, it takes to burn fat and uh, carbs. So even if you stay at the same calorie intake, just by making it more protein than the other two, you can kind of lose weight. Wow. That's okay. actually true. We started with health talk and we're going to end with health talk. Yeah. <laughs> like it. And now I'm going to get a burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you eaten yet actually no i'm really hungry <laughs> fucking piss off and get dinner man yeah. i have enough uh like uh, reservoirs on my body uh um still so i'm i'm good i'm fine man i'm gonna have a small scotch and go to bed fine that's nice them. attract them calories bro yeah <laughs> bro yeah i got it what do you bench bro <laughs> <laughs>